text. I want to I want to kind of review on a couple of things, some things that we've been talking about as it relates to how we as believers interpret the scripture. Okay, um, so the first thing I want to uh, talk to you about, I'm going to ask. I got to quiz you because I told you I was going to do this. How many of you in the Ephesians series that we've started on have read the book of Ephesians through at least one time in its completion? Just one, read it through one time in one sitting. You've done that. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, the sheep are in the ten o'clock service the goats are in the eight I'm telling you because the anyway don't get me started so um, so the reason for that is because the, the epistles are letters written by an apostle and, and letters are meant to be read in their entirety through one sitting. This is not the book of the law. This is not the Pentateuch. This is, you know, this is a, a letter from an apostle. And so in order for you to catch the flow of thought of what God wants to say, it's best to read through it uh, in one sitting. Somebody also told me, I think it was Troy Carmine mentioned the net Bible that doesn't have chapter and verse divisions. And that's helpful too because a lot of times we, we start reading and we stop uh, where a chapter stops and we lose the flow of thought. That's important because the way you listen to the Lord determines what you hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? So uh, we so we get into, uh, this is uh, the best mode for interpretation. So I want to always help you to build up your methods for what you're doing. Now, the second thing that I want you to understand about the way the Apostle Paul does epistles um, is that he always shares the information regarding um, what, what the gospel is about. The good spiritual stuff is in the earlier chapters of the, of the letter or the earlier portion of the letter. So you get into Ephesians chapter 1, you find that we are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and you can't observe that. You have to be told that. That's that's revelation, and so, and it doesn't tell you what to do with it yet. So Paul spends three chapters just telling you really good stuff that you need to know about the gospel. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, for we are uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in the way we used to live when we followed the rulers of this world, right? So that's Ephesians chapter 2. Then it goes on, we were by nature objects of wrath. Well, every human being thinks they're alive. But God's word says they're dead without Christ. You've got bio life, but not zoe life. So so every unbeliever that you see, when you see people running around sinning that don't know God, that's their natural, that's their nature. They, they can't do anything about that. Jesus says they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The light's not turned on on the inside. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. And that was you and me. Both hands are up. That was me. Right? I mean, you want to knock people's behavior? Just go back a little in time in your life. And you'll see that same kind of behavior in your own life right? So we have no way that we ought to be pointing fingers at people that don't know God. Well, they should act better. They don't have a nature to help them act better. But the Bible says that Christ made you alive 
because of his great mercy for us, right? So the lights came on, and so this is just a reminder, I'm just helping you understand, that when you got born again, the spirit man on the inside of you came alive. You are not alive until you said yes to Jesus, but when you got born again, your spirit man came alive. The Holy Spirit took up residence on the inside of you, and now the life of God is, is functioning and beating on the inside of you. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body, right? Um, if you don't know Jesus, you have a soul, and you have a body, but your spirit man is dead. And that's why you go chasing stuff. That's why you go chasing uh, sex. That's why you go chasing money. That's why you go chasing anything that can make you feel alive. But the problem was, everything that you chase has a hook in it. And it'll hook you, and then you can't get free. And so only Jesus makes you free. And he makes you free by taking up residence on the inside of you and showing you that it's the life of God on the inside of you that causes that satisfaction. Oh, yes, I get it now. I realize now what I was missing. It was Jesus. I was missing Jesus. And before that, you were dead. But when, when you come to know Jesus, he makes you alive. One of the most radical things that happens is God bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. In an instant, he shows you that I once was lost, but now I'm found. Why is that song so precious to us? Because it happened to me. Right? And so Paul is laying out for us three chapters of this is the gospel, this is the spiritual reality, this is the revelation of God. You couldn't figure it out on your own. You couldn't come up with it on your own. There's no way that you could come up with this, this, uh, this insight. God had to reveal it to you. And then he gets, <clears throat> he gets to Ephesians chapter 4 where we're, where we're at today. If I can have the scripture up. And uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and get that scripture up here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Let's read this out loud together. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Holy Spirit, I just ask you today for your guidance to share this revelation that is life-giving. Let our faith increase. Let us recognize the areas, Lord, where we have tried to do the gospel of faith by works. Show us the areas, Lord, where we have tried to control when you said, give me control. Holy Spirit, Indicate to us where our deceitful desires have gotten in the way of the life that you want to bring to us. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I said to you a couple weeks ago, and I want to remind you again, that the Bible is written to people who believe it, not to the people who don't. And oftentimes in our uh, American Western mindset, uh, where, where we want to elevate the role of the individual and we want to elevate the role of our, of our democracy and everybody gets a vote and all of those kind of things, you've got to check that kind of thinking at the door when you open up the Word of God. Because the Word of God addresses you as an individual, but it also shows us that, that there's a way that you and I need to live in order to align ourselves with what God's revelation of himself is. And, and democracies don't have any, anything to add to that. Doesn't matter what country you're from. The word of God is the word of God, right? And every nation and every tongue and every tribe and every background have to come to the Lord, come to the word, and God says, this is what it means to be a believer, and this is what it means to walk by faith. So your spirit man is born again, and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done. You didn't add anything to that message. You didn't bring anything. In fact, the Bible indicates to us that we even are given the faith that we need. Even the faith is a gift from God to believe. But when the word of God is preached and you hear a word and you say, man, that's true, that's real, that's, I need that, and then you said yes to Jesus and you accepted Christ, that's when you got born again. And that same work of, of the, the spirit of God, Jesus said it this way, the, you know, when he was asked, what are the things that we must do in order to be saved? And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, the challenge for us as believers, especially those of us that are, uh, that are very much, uh, you know, we, we have our lists of all the things that we have to get done, and we're very compelled, and we're very motivated to get stuff done, is, you know what, that gets you in trouble sometimes in the gospel. Because you, you become a worker, but it's not long before that work gets in the way of the work that God wants to do in you. You know, and, and so you become self-righteous rather than Christ-righteous, right? And, and so what we end up doing is we end up comparing ourselves among ourselves and all of these things, and everybody's on their own journey, but we look over into their lane and say, how you doing over there? Yeah, I'm just a little ahead of you. Because if we were behind, we'd never say it. What's that? Pride. So we're going to talk today about these powerful verses right here in the middle that have to do with putting off the old self, renewing our mind, and then putting on the new self. Because anything aside from that, that we get into as if, I'm going to try to please God, I'm just going to do better this, this time, Pastor Ken. You know, we end up in a, a conversation somewhere and, and there's a, you've, you, found it, you found the flesh has overcome you, you found something, you found yourself in sin, there was some kind of a conversation, something happened, and, and it ends with, I'll do better. Well, there's the problem right there. Because you can't, and neither can I. So what's to be done? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about that. Just because you're born again does not mean that the, your brain is part of the process. Your, your brain is unsaved. 
Your spirit man is alive and well, but your brain's unsaved. Your mind, your will, your emotions are still corrupted by everything, every experience that you had prior to you coming to the Lord. Uh, they're, they're still corrupted by those experiences, those thoughts that you had when people said something about you, it registered a control point in your life, and you've been trying to overcome it, and you can't overcome it. You can't get on the other side of it. How do I, you know, Paul said, who will rescue me from this body of death, this wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me? It's only Jesus that can deal with all of these things and you and I have to learn how do we get what's in our spirit man to come up and be our experience? How can we get it into our minds? How can we allow the Lord to change us? Because transformation only comes by the renewing of your mind right? Romans chapter 12. You know, you, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Are you born again? Yes. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you're a new creature. Are you transformed? Not yet. Because the battlefield's always in your mind. And as long as you've got, what's the old line? As long as you've got stinking thinking, you'll, you'll have a stinking lifestyle. You'll have a stinking attitude. you have stinking behavior. You'll have stinking relationships because all of that change happens in the renewing of your mind. Thankful for Pastor Julian last week. I, I saw so many light bulbs come on in people's minds when they talked about the spouse in your house versus the spouse in your head. When he said that, wah, that was a revelation I'll be chewing on for a while. I was even sharing, I, I shared a link with a brother I was talking to this past week and he starts talking to me about his marriage and everything. I said, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's not talk anymore until you watch this video. So, um, so here's what we have to do. We have to realize that, uh, that our old man wants its way. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And he wants to bring the new creation you out. He is your deliverer. He is your strength. He is your song. He wants to form Jesus on the inside of you. But your old man is getting in the way of that. The old lifestyle, the old mentality. You know, that's why today's the title of today's message is New Mind, New Attitude. The attitude uh, of an airplane is the, is the ability of that plane to get lift, right? It's the attitude of the airplane in, in relationship. It's the, it's the elevation of the front versus everything else. And if you have a right attitude, you can get lift. But if you have the wrong attitude, you're going to crash. And a lot of believers don't have a right attitude because they haven't learned the importance of the putting off, the putting off. So that's, this is why the jacket today. That, that, word, uh, that word is the word apekduomai in the Greek, and it's the same one that was used of the spoiling ceremony that Jesus did when he stood before Lucifer and he stripped him of all authority. He stripped him of all power. He took away the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He stripped him and he threw it down and he said, you are this, but I am this. You are this, but I am this. You are this, but I am this. And you and I are following in the footsteps of Jesus when we say, I'm going to put off the flesh. I'm no longer going to let it be a reason that I, that I don't serve God. I'm going to put it off. And a lot of times as believers, we say, well, I'm struggling. Stop struggling and just put it off. Just put it off. Just don't, don't walk around with it. Don't let it, let, don't let it influence. Uh, well, Pastor Ken, and here's what we, we do. We start to talk about our reasons, but we've allowed our reasons to become excuses, right? Well, you don't know the way I came up. 
No, but Jesus took care of that. Um, you know, it, well, you don't know what somebody's done to me. Yeah, but it's not greater than what Jesus has done on your behalf. You can put that thing off. Don't make, a, don't make an excuse out of your reason. Don't, don't let that be a justification why Jesus can't work in your life. You, why? Do you have a peculiar kind of sin? Oh, but my sin is so unique. I mean, it's like, it's like bougie sin, you know? Like nobody else has got sin like me. Really? And that's called the sin of pride. It works for everybody else. It just doesn't work for me. Don't try. Just put it off. Just put it off. See, here there's there's the mental shift that has to happen. What is the gospel? The gospel is the way to live, and the gospel works. How many of you believe it works? How many of you believe Jesus died and rose again? Why did he die and and, and be raised from the dead? Not because he had to, because we needed what he had. We needed how he would do it. We needed his lifestyle, and so he put off the flesh. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet was without sin. If you could do it on your own, you would have done it by now. But you can't, and neither can I. But we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be saved from our struggling and our striving because we can do it his way. What did he do? He laid aside the flesh. Paul says in Romans, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. You, you get to choose what, you, what your flesh does and doesn't do. Now, our world will tell you completely the opposite. Every advertisement will tell you completely the opposite. Every podcast, unless they're believers, they will tell you completely the opposite. You want to find justification for your sin? You can find it in this world. Why? Because misery loves company. And if I get enough people uh, that are broken around me talking about how that brokenness feels, then we'll all, we'll all have ourselves a little pity party, and then we'll, we'll be the party of the broken. But God's got something better for you. So you can either have pity or you can have power over sin, right? You get to choose. You get to choose. Now, before you knew Jesus, before you knew Jesus, you had no choice. You lived like everybody else following the sinful nature and desires and the patterns of this world. You had no choice. But as soon as you met Jesus, he says, do it my way. Put it off. Put it off. Now, we begin the process of renewing our mind. And here's what, that, here's what that comes down to. And this is why I wanted to get into Ephesians 4 with you today. Because uh, the earlier chapters lay out what is ours. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is your reality. This isn't someday after you die, you'll be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right now, spiritually, the inheritance of heaven and the inheritance in the saints is yours. Paul tells us to pray for the things that, that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened. Why would we pray? Because we can access all of heaven's availability when we pray. That the eyes of our heart might be enlightened. That we might know the hope to which he has called us. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know, and so we might know his power. You, it's all available to you. If it was held off, Paul would have said, well, let's just wait until you die. And then you get it all. He didn't. He said, if you'll die to the flesh, you can have it now. You can have it now. 
But your flesh will get in the way of you receiving from God because you're busy struggling with it. I'm not right, I'm not right, I'm not right because I got all this flesh. Jesus said you can get right in the flesh. Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto God. And so in your notes, I want to read that, that passage again. You can pull it back up that, uh, that uh, 20, uh, let's see. 23 through 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Here, here's the, the, the challenge. Leave that up there so we can see it. I want you to see it in the word that your desires lie to you. Your desires will promise you one thing, but they can't deliver on it. Every beer ad that you ever see is a deceitful desire. Miller's High Life, or whatever it was, you know, back in the day. What's the lie? They don't, they don't show you the person puking their guts out over the toilet. They don't show you the broken marriages. They don't show you uh, the, the, the drunk driving accidents. They don't show you everything else that goes along with it. Oh, this is the good life. Really? You can keep it. Keep it all in that bottle. In fact, dump all the bottles out somewhere. It's not, it's, oh, it's just a beer. That's, it's not the problem, it's the beer, it's where it goes. It's where it takes you. You know, I don't need that kind of influence, right? And, and so we, we, it's the little things, it's a deceitful desire because it promises you something that it cannot provide. And only God can provide what you fully need. And God knows that. He satisfies our desires with good things, the scripture says. He satisfies our desires. And, and so deceitful desires just make you want more of whatever they have, you know? And, and so uh, being made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's go into our notes before uh, we get, uh, get a little further along. So uh, I took out the list of the works of the flesh from Galatians 5 and also the fruit of the Spirit because you need to see what it is that you should be putting off. And by the way, these are the things here at Lighthouse that we don't make any excuse of, of, of saying to somebody, you can't live that way here. You ought not to live that way here. We'll say it with a smile. We'll say it in love. We'll say it firmly. We'll speak truthfully. Why? Because we can't have a double standard from the word of God. If the word of God says something sin, it's sin, and I don't have a, I don't have a vote in it. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand? Now, people say, well, Pastor Ken, I don't hear you talk about sin a whole, whole lot. And, and, and here's, let, let, me, let me caveat where I'm going. I, I am the guy that oversees the stuff that will bear fruit in your life. So I'm going to talk about Jesus. The more I can talk about Jesus, the more Jesus that you'll want to have. And if you can get enough Jesus growing in your life, sin won't have any place. Or I can sit around and I can talk about the weeds. Oh, you got a weed. You got a weed. Oh, I see a weed over there. Let me go over there. And, and I just choose not to do that. But for today, today, this is a compare contrast. So that you just need to understand. Here at Lighthouse, when we are talking about believers, when we're talking about our teams and our classes and the people that are leading, our standard has always been the word of God. It hasn't changed. But I'm going to delineate some things here today that take notice. that It applies to all of us. It applies to all of us. This, is, this isn't Pastor Ken coming down hard on people or because there's a problem. No, it's just here in Ephesians, and, and I wanted to share it with you. Now, this is a part in Galatians we're going to talk about. In Galatians chapter 1, there's 15 of these works of the flesh and only nine fruit of the Spirit. Hmm, that's interesting. 
I guess God's, I guess God's way has a lot more potency than the, than the flesh, right? Number one, sexual immorality. Basically, the Bible says any, anything to do with sex outside of marriage is sin. It's very simple. Very simple, right? Um, so uh, it's funny when you talk to Dr. Lynn in uh, Maslow's hierarchy, anybody that ever took a psychology 101, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, Maslow lists sex as one of the necessities of life. Like you cannot live without sex. And, uh, and so in Dr. Westman's model uh, that she's created, sex isn't listed in there because you can live without sex, right? Our world tells you you can't, but, uh, but, you know, but our world doesn't really know, right? <laughs> so, so sexual immorality, number one. Number two, impurity. Things are defiled or contaminated, uh, ought not to be in our life. Debauchery, extreme indulgence. There are some people that uh, that 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 uh, part of it. I don't know. You know, I, I, some kind. You know, certain kinds of chocolate cake. Yeah. Extreme indulgence. Don't get it near me. Keep it in the other room. So you know. I mean, we all have those areas, right? That that that. If, man, if it's just if it just hits me just right, look out. You know, I, I could be extreme in it, right? And uh, and so, but debauchery, extreme indulgence, is what the word talks about. Idolatry, image worship, image worship. You know, it's interesting that when in our world we talk about branding and we talk about logos, all of that stuff has to do with image. And in America, we would say, oh, we would never bow down to a stone idol. No, but we, we might bow down to a chrome idol. We might bow down to a, uh, to a house. We might bow down to a, a position, a title, a job, a relationship. Those are all idols, right? Uh, there's idolatry. All you got to do is follow the money in America. Just follow the money. You'll find the idol. It'll take you to the idol. And, and you just need to be, you and I need to be aware of it. It doesn't mean I'm going to stand on the corner with a sandwich board and say, flee all the idols. I don't know that I'll be effective, but I can live a prophetic lifestyle that says, you know what? I can live simply so that others can simply live. I don't have to amass a bunch of stuff around me because my life is complete in the Lord. Are you tracking with me? And, and I think, honestly, I think sometimes preachers get so loud that people can't hear the Holy Ghost on the inside of themselves. And I don't want to be the Holy Spirit. He's got to correct you. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there, but he, you got to listen to him. Don't just listen to me. You, you listen to him because he's going to lead you into the finer points of, of what needs to happen. So uh, idolatry, witchcraft. We just talked about that last week with Pastor Julian. Attempt to control or manipulate. Why is witchcraft so, so terrible? Because God is, is sovereign. He controls. And when I'm practicing witchcraft by rebellion, well, I know what God says, but come over here and see what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to control things uh, by getting people to do it my way rather than his way. And the person that got exalted to the highest place got on his knees in a garden and said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done right? So, so God exalts the one who is humble. And so uh, witchcraft ought not to be named among us. Hatred, hostility, or contempt. Discord, to say or cause distrust among others. I read a, a little one-liner that supposedly came out of a cabin boy's um, uh, diary one time, and he was, writing about, he was writing about what took place on the ship, and he said it this way, the captain was sober today.
Now, out of context, you don't know anything about that captain, but the cabin boy wanted you to think something. Don't we subtly sometimes bring discord by the things we say or the things we don't say or the way we say certain things? We, we create questions in people's minds that cause them to say, huh, I, I wonder what you mean by that. Makes you want to ask, doesn't it? Give me more, give me more. There's the hook. There's the hook. I had one time, so several years ago, several, I mean like early 90s, probably 92, something like that. Um, there was a brother who, who took a faction, took a group away from Lighthouse at that time. And, uh, and he came to me, and I was I was a young minister, and he looked at me, and, and I, I swear he used the line out of Scripture, you know, Absalom, Absalom's line. Why is your countenance downcast? What's wrong? And he was trying to, he was pumping me for information. What's wrong? Then you know what Absalom did? He stood at the, stood at the, uh, at the gate, and asked people as they were coming, well, you know, if I was king, I would do it this way. If I was, you know, if you came and followed me, we, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing right now. And, and that's exactly, so the word, the word says that's a work of the flesh that you and I need to shut down. We need to put it off. It doesn't need to be here, right? Jealousy, dissatisfaction with what God has given to me. When I get so focused on what's going on in your life and what you have and that I don't, then I will begin saying, you know what? I'm dissatisfied with what I have. I want what you have, right? And then, then all these kind of desires wake up on the inside of our flesh and then we, we start doing stuff we ought not to do. Um, fits of rage, emotions of instant displeasure. Um, man, I'll tell you what, I've been around some leaders that blow up. And it's the first indicator to me that something's not right in a leader's life. If they, if they, uh, if they fly off the handle really fast, that's a, that's a, a red zone for me. As, as soon as I see that, I'm like, huh. I've been around leaders, Christians, you know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen pastors berate waitresses. I've seen them, I've seen them uh, uh, berate, uh, you know, the, the, the night clerk at a, at a motel because something didn't get handled right. And I'm like, what is the deal? You can't function like that. You, you, you're above that. You're a believer in Jesus. Jesus, does, you don't need that. You know, and you don't treat people that way just because you're, you know, just because you're having a little bit of a moment there. Selfish ambition to put one's interest ahead of others. You know, it's funny what people will tag on to. I remember um, this is going back in the early 90s, too, um, is that I had young one, one young man that just had fixated on the fact that he needed to preach at Lighthouse on a Sunday morning, you know, and, and he was new in the Lord and everything. I was trying to coach him, and I said, well, you know, I, I, he had a gift of communication. I said, well, how about, tell you what, about uh, a Wednesday night, I'll have you come in and talk. The, the people on Wednesday night are really hungry, and, and they, love the, they love a good word. And I also know, you know, that uh, Wednesday night were the people that were a little bit more mature. So when you put the immature guy up front of them, they can kind of eat the meat and spit out the bones, right? And uh, so, so I didn't know what this, totally what this guy's going to say. And I'm like, I don't want to put him in front of people that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You just got to be a little more careful. And, and, uh, and man, he shut me down immediately. I mean, I didn't know this guy, but like about three or four months. And he says, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're asking me to go to the back of the bus. No, I got to speak on Sunday morning. And at that moment, I felt led to never let him speak anywhere. That was the leadership I got. Never. 
Never. <laughs> selfish ambition. Number 11, dissensions. A selfish dividing force. Number 12, factions. Organized dissension. If dissension isn't enough for just you, go get an organization of it together. And Paul says in Galatians, that's just a work of the flesh. They might get a bunch of people together. It's all flesh. It's all, it's all carnal, you know. And, and church in the body of Christ, we are a people of faith. We are a people of faith. We are, we are not a people of one party in the United States or another. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the flag that we, that we wave. The living God. We're not going to have factions and we're not going to have dissension in the house around things that are going to change weekly, daily, yearly, every four years, every six years. We've got an eternal God and an eternal mission and we've got to accomplish that. We're going to follow him. Amen? So let's not get in the flesh. Y'all should have said a lot more amens than that. Uh, number 13, envy, resent that comes from jealousy. 14, drunkenness, overindulgence in alcohol. Number 15, orgies, drunken revelry that uh, often includes sexual immorality. These are the things that we have to put off. They, they belong to the flesh. They have no place in your life as a believer. And you, if you're tempted, I understand temptation. I don't understand people that willingly follow into sin and keep after that. We have, we have help for you. We have uh, overcomers that happens. We have small group Bible studies. There are every one of these guys that I know that I've walked with in men's ministry around here can have open conversations about struggles that they've had in their life. And they, they would be pleased to be able to pray with you and get over into the victory that God has us, has us walking in. We've got to grow together. We've got to be humble enough to ask for help. Right? It, it's the, the, the shame doesn't come when you ask for help. The shame comes when you don't ask for help and the whole thing blows up and it didn't have to. You, you, you defuse the bomb that the enemy's using when you pull the deception out and you just come clean. That's why uh, it says right there in Ephesians 4, uh, you know, put off all falsehood and speak truthfully. There, there goes the bomb. You share your failure and somebody says, huh. Just like that, you're human. Just like that, you became one of us. Isn't that amazing? You failed. No. To fail is human. That's why Jesus came. He came because we're broke. and We can't do anything about it. But don't act like you got it all together. Just a thought. So we renew our minds. And here's the part. We renew our minds. Stop trying to please God. Stop trying. I'll be good if. I'll be happy when. I'll be better when. When this happens, when that happens, when the other thing happens, then I'll be a better Christian. What is a better Christian anyway? How is better? How do you measure that? It's impossible. Jesus said, and I, I, I'm repeating myself, but Jesus said it this way. When the, the Pharisees came to him and says, what is the work of God that we must do? He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe. Just believe. 
See, belief is that powerful, but a lot of times what we've done is, well, I, I believe enough to get into heaven, but I don't believe enough to have him make me live the kingdom here in this flesh. I don't know how to let God be God inside of me because uh, I, I can't overcome me. No, you can't, but he can. He is the overcomer. He is the, he is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. Stop making your list and just bring it all to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to put off the flesh today and I'm going to renew my mind to what the gospel really is. And here's what the gospel really is. If you believe that he gives you faith to believe, you got that from God. You didn't come up with it yourself. And if you believe, then you believe that Jesus died that he overcame death, which was anchored to his flesh, and he came up out of the water in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is your pathway. That's your pathway. You are meant to live in resurrection life. You are meant to walk out. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. The greater one is on the inside of me today, and it's not by works lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. It's by the grace of God. So I'm filled up on the grace of God. I'm strong in the Lord. If you're feeling weak, that's not a bad thing. Because that's when you find the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Are you tracking with me? You got to renew your mind. So you, you say, well, if you're struggling to believe, if you're struggling simply to believe, then you just need to soak your brain in the word of God for a while. Because the word will permeate your being. How can a man, uh, young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Turn off Netflix and pick up your Bible. You, you've got you've to let the word do its work. And wherever you're allowing your mind to wander, you're, you're giving it place to do whatever it wants to do. You know, no Bible, no breakfast. Get just a little discipline so that you get that word in. Why? Because the word is a seed. And if you put that seed on the inside, you'll get, you, it'll grow, right? Oh. Andrew, these are yours. These are ghost peppers. I picked them with rubber gloves, and I put them in a sealed container. The reason I have them is because at Little Lights, one of our uh, core values is nurture. And so to illustrate it, a couple months back, I guess it was April, um, I, I bought a bunch of plants, and I brought them in, and I told the Little Lights ladies, they're a bunch of vegetable plants. I said, uh, I said uh, if you can grow these into a, mature, uh, into a mature vegetable or whatever it was that we were growing, I said, then I'll give you $5. And the three plants that were left over were a ghost pepper, a Tabasco pepper, and a green pepper. And I took those home. And, uh, and I didn't pay myself the $5, but I did, get, I did get vegetables from all three. I only gave out $10 for everybody else out of 25. But anyway, I've got a lot of work to do. Anyway, so I didn't know that I could grow ghost peppers. I also didn't know that it would be so hard to find some kind of recipe that you could use this obnoxious thing in. <laughs> And, and, and the pepper plants, those things just did amazing. Like the Tabascos are breaking out. I bet I got, there's probably like 50 peppers on one plant. And this one probably had about 30 on it. So I was pretty impressed with my pepper prowess. My pepper production prowess. Give you a little bit of time. I could have a lot of fun with that. 
here's my point. You don't know what you can grow in God. But if you provide the right atmosphere and you put the seed down on the inside and then you keep watering it and keep watering it. These, these peppers were very thirsty. They like an inch to two inches of water a week. But you just keep watering and you keep watering and you keep watering and the, the DNA of what it's going to look like and the power of it is already in the seed. All I did was provide the, the environment for it to grow. Now, the problem with you and me is when we've got this easy believism or we've got this, I'm just not making the headway in the gospel the way I want. The problem is you put yourself in charge of measuring your maturity. And you and I can't do that. The only thing we can do is we can, we can put the word in, put the word in, pray, 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 put the word in. Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to know today. Show me what you want me to see today. And as we do that, God grows Jesus on the inside of us. And what does that look like? That looks like the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want to tell you that number nine, self-control, would conquer all 15 of the works of the flesh. Do you see how powerful that is? Well, Pastor Ken, how do you get self-control? And those of us that raise kids, we want to know, how do we raise kids with self-control? <laughs> and, and, here's, and here's the news. You know, the news is the self-control is a fruit of the person of the Holy Spirit. And if I'll spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time with him, he will cause me to manifest self-control. But all of my, all of my outward trappings, well, just don't have the cake around you, you dummy. Uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily make me have self-control. It just makes me want to, you know put up more rules and put locks on the cabinets or something like that. What if, what if you were so self-controlled you could live around all that stuff and it wouldn't bother you? What, what if the, the person on the inside of you that was saying, you, you're more concerned about what God wants and what God thinks than what you want and you think? That was Jesus. Command a stone to become bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone, dummy. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I just want what God wants. See, self-control gets strong when we fall so in love with Jesus, when we're so fixated on the person of Jesus, when we're so tuned into what God has for us so that, so that we don't want anything else. Think about this. Um, I'll, I'll go back up the list. Unconditional affection for God and for people. The person of the Holy Spirit has unconditional affection for Jesus and for people. You and I are limited. How many of you uh, have a people limit? Come on, be, I, I'm your pastor. I got two hands up. I've got a people limit. And then, and then there are the EGR people, extra grace required people. Yeah. <laughs> I only want one of those like every couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? It's not the way you don't get to pick and choose. So here's what you do. You tap in to the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I don't have this but I'm going to put off my limitations. And I recognize that you have everything I need. And so I ask you for, I receive it, and I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy, perpetual gladness of the heart 
coming from the Lord. Perpetual gladness from the heart. Now, some people in here are, if you were on the, on the scale, you, you would, uh, your spirit animal is Eeyore <laughs> from Winnie the Pooh. Your spirit animal's over here. It's Eeyore, right? And then there are other people over here that are Tigger. Right? And, and so, you, you know, all of us are somewhere on, on the spectrum, right? The Winnie the Pooh spectrum. I just made that up just then. Uh, somewhere, somewhere we're, we're somewhere on there. But what you need to realize is that God is joy all by himself. Like, you just get near him and you're going to get some joy. And, and so some of us need more of that joy to balance us out. And some of us need to just get down off your little bouncy tail and get over here and act normal so we can hang out with you. No. So, so the reality of joy is that joy is accessible because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, right? And so you and I need to spend time in his presence because his joy will overtake us. That's the atmosphere that every believer needs to walk in. So love, joy, and the last one I'm going to hit on before we pray is peace. That, that word peace is, is that word that comes from the, the Hebrew word shalom. It means that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. It's soundness. It's wholeness. You know, if my marriage is sound and whole, I'm not tempted to commit adultery. Temptation just slides right off. You know, that, that, is, that has been tried. Uh, somebody tried to break into my marriage, you know, probably 12 or 13 years ago. And, and uh, my wife got an email from a guy, and she forwarded the email to me. I'm like, huh, you try that. Now, I will tell you at that moment, I, I wanted to shoot somebody. I mean, you know. <laughs> But it was a moment, and it passed, and, and, and one of our leaders talked me down. It helped that I was, you know, 2,200 miles away at the time. But what, what happens, the, the peace of God, the soundness of God coming from the inside of you causes all of those worldly affections to just relax. I don't, I got everything I need. I don't need, I don't need anything else. I don't need stuff. I don't need anything else. God is my sufficiency. This needs to be the reality of your life and mine, and it can be if we will make a decision today to put off the old way. To put off the old way. Be renewed in the attitude of our minds. Get our attitude looking up. Get our attitude rising higher. You know what? In God, I got everything I need. And, and then we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to have peace. I'm walking in peace. I'm not trying to have joy. I know the one who has joy, and I just get up next to him. I'm not trying anything. I'm putting it on. Are, are you tracking with me today? Does that make sense? The renewing of our minds. So, so, so stop your striving today. Some of you have been feeling defeated and condemned because of actions or attitudes and the enemy. will He'll be happy to, he'll feed you all day long that junk. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. You're a believer. What if people find out, blah, blah. That's all condemnation. That is of the devil. It doesn't come from God. And, you know, the Bible says that as soon as I confess my sin, he forgets it. 
So if you're going to have a conversation with somebody about a sin that you did yesterday, you're going to have to come up with the evidence again because it's already gone. God doesn't, God, you remember what I did yesterday? No. Because he doesn't remember it. He casts your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he has separated you from your sin. Isn't that amazing? That's freeing. And some of you need to be free today. Some of you need to allow the Lord to let his truth permeate your heart. And if the Holy Spirit's talking to you today, I encourage you. Let's all stand, but I encourage you, step out from where you're at. Just come before the Lord right now. Whatever he's doing in your heart, this altar's open for you this morning. Holy Spirit, we want what you have. Come on, let's just prepare our hearts for these moments. There are things that the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you about that you need to put off. Not everything on that list is something you're struggling with, but maybe there's one or two. What's on that list that Holy Spirit's saying, put that off, get done with it, put it away? Let's come before the Lord right now. All over this room, online, say this with me, Lord Jesus. I come to you right now and I thank you that I'm redeemed. I was purchased by your blood and you said that I could put off the old ways, that I could put off the flesh and its influences in my life. So today, Lord, I take it off. I don't turn around and look at it. I'm looking to you. Today, Lord, my mind is renewed. I can have what your word says is mine. I can walk in what your word says I can walk in. I can be who you say I can be in the name of Jesus. So I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh today. Make me new. Cause me to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.